Do you know when you watch the news on TV, you see all of the hatred, you see all the bitterness, you see the wars, you see the destruction. I am becoming more and more convinced today that the answer, the only hope, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's what Jesus talked about. Jesus talked about forgiveness. In fact, the word forgive or forgiveness or forgiven or forgives appears 47 times in the four gospel messages. Jesus believed in forgiveness. Now I want to warn you as we get into this lesson here that I'm going to probably hit you in the heart today, okay? I'm just going to give you a forewarning. I'm going to hit you in the heart. I'm going to say some things, and at some point you're going to sit there and go, yeah, he's talking directly to me, I think. Listen, I have no idea what's going on in your life. So am I talking directly to you? Yes, absolutely. But I'm talking to all of us. But it's not because I know what's going on in your life, because chances are I don't. But I'm just going to talk to you what the Bible says. But the Bible's so powerful that it hits us right in the hearts. I was having lunch or breakfast uh, this week with Donald McNeil and Donald was telling me how his first time he came to church, he's one of our deacons now, but the first time he came to church decades ago, he sat there and the guy that was preaching just, it hit him so squarely in the heart that he went up to his friend. He didn't know the guy preaching, but he went up to his friend and he said, why'd you tell him all my stuff, man? Why'd you tell him what was going on in my life? His friend's like, I I didn't tell him anything. It's because that's the power of the Word of God. When you preach and teach the Scriptures, it hits all of us. And so I just got to give you a little heads up. I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to all of us about our need for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Forgiveness is powerful. I read a story about a father and a son who had some problems. And so the son ran away and the father set off to find his son. He searched for months, but to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find his son, the the father put an ad in a local newspaper. The ad read, Dear son, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 young men showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Point is, forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness moves people. So I just have two points for us to think about. Very simple, very easy things for us to think about when it comes to forgiveness. My first point is this. Forgiveness. You got to get it. All right? Forgiveness. You got to get it. You know, we talked last week about being in Christ. In order to be in Christ and go to heaven, you and I, we have to have a solution for our sins. We have to deal with our sins. You see, the Bible teaches that God wants you. But there's a problem. The problem is sin. Our sin. Not God's sin. God doesn't sin. But our sin. The problem is sin, and sin separates us from God. Heaven is a sinless place. So if you and I are to go to heaven one day, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we have to deal with sin in our life. God has a solution for sin. 
He's got one solution. You know what it is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's it. Forgiveness. Complete and absolute forgiveness. That's what God's solution is for our sin. But Phil, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. What about repentance? Doesn't the Bible teach we got to repent? Yes, it does. And we do need to repent. Repentance just means that you stop sinning, right? It's either you start doing good stuff or you stop doing bad stuff or both. That's what repentance is. But no amount of repenting will erase the sins you've already done. In fact, if you started today and you decide, all right, I'm going to repent and I'm never going to sin again starting today going forward. And if you were successful, no matter, no matter if you were able to do that or not, there's no amount of repenting today that would erase the sins you already did. It's too late. You've already sinned in your life. And you can't get rid of it with, your, with, with repentance. You and I just need forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is. We need it. You can't earn it. It's just got to be granted. That's it. God's solution to sin is forgiveness. And God just has to give it to us. So how do we get it? Great question. How do we get it? Well, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, teaches us that forgiveness comes from the blood of Jesus. So Jesus, when he died on the cross and shed his blood, that blood is how we access God's forgiveness. Okay, well then that leads to another question. How do I get the blood? I mean, do I just run down to, you know, the local deli and go to the blood section, right? I'll take a pint of Jesus' blood. Is that what we do? No, of course not. That's not how you get the blood. Coming in contact with the blood is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. There's not physical blood. Even though his blood was physical, it's a spiritual connection. Well, how does that happen? Well, there are physical things we do to connect to the spiritual uh, blood of Jesus and get forgiveness. Acts chapter 2. Verse 38 teaches us that repentance and baptism is the point that we receive forgiveness. That's when we get it. Acts chapter 2, 38. You repent and you get baptized and you get forgiveness. Now, baptism, and we talked a little bit about what repentance is, but what is baptism? Well, the Bible clearly teaches that baptism is when you and I as adults are baptized in water with our faith in, in Christ. That's what baptism is. Baptism isn't something you do as a child. Infant baptism is not in the Bible. If that's something that you did, I'm sure that was done out of a great heart by your parents and your, you know, the people who were looking over you at the time. But when did you repent? There's no spot. I mean, a, a baby doesn't repent. So infant baptism is not legitimate baptism. Another thing that people teach today is praying Jesus into your heart, which doesn't involve baptism at all. That's other, another thing that's, that's made up. People teach that all you got to do is say a prayer, accept Jesus into your heart, and you're saved. That's not in the Bible. No, the Bible teaches that if you want forgiveness, you got to repent and be baptized. That's it. Both. Both of them. Now, People have a hard time with this, especially the baptism part. Because there's always someone that says, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, hold on a second. What about that thief 
that was hanging on the cross with Jesus. Remember that guy? Jesus said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. The implication is you're going to heaven. But that guy never got baptized. He was hanging on a cross. Good point. Very good point. Well, if you study the scriptures, it says in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus had the authority while he was on earth to give out forgiveness. In other words, while Jesus was alive on this planet, he could just give out forgiveness to anybody he wanted. You want forgiveness? Boom, you got it. You want forgiveness? Boom, you got it. But after his death, the way we access forgiveness is we repent and we're baptized into Christ. And so, of course, that guy hanging on the cross got forgiveness without baptism because, because Jesus was still able to just, he was just giving out forgiveness. But the Bible teaches now the way to get it is we repent and we get baptized. So what are you saying, Phil? Are we just going to run out and grab random people and stick them in the water? No. That would be weird. Why? Because, you know, if we went out on the street and grabbed a guy, dragged him in here, dunked him in some water, was like, yeah, woo! Okay, after the cops arrived, all right, it would be a problem. It would be a problem because it's not just getting dunked in water that saves somebody. It's repentance. It's faith. It's the decision to be a disciple. It's all of these things together. The truth is baptism alone just means immersion. That's all the word means. You've done that many times. Anytime you've ever gone swimming, taken a bath, you know, got into a hot tub, gone in a pool, you've, you've been immersed. But the reason why that's not baptism is because baptism has to be co- combined with the right heart. And so that's why we don't just drag people into the water. They've got to repent and be baptized. You know, I had somebody say, you know, people like to make excuses all the time why they don't want to get baptized. I had a guy one time tell me, oh, okay, all right, so I got to be baptized. You know, I want to get baptized in a vat of Coca-Cola. Right, and I said, well, okay, other than clearly being delicious, right, that is not what the Bible teaches. You can't just be baptized in a vat of Coca-Cola. I had a guy one time say, okay, if I've got to be immersed in water, then I want to be baptized in snow. I'm like, listen, come on, man. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that people got baptized in water in its a liquid form. All right? They didn't get baptized in steam. They didn't get baptized in ice. They got baptized in water in its liquid form. Come on, man. I've had people say, all right, and there's always this guy who says, all right, well, what about that guy who lives in the desert? You know, what about him? How is he going to get baptized? Come on, man. The earth is 75% water. You won't live in the desert unless you brought water with you, right? There's going to be water or you're not living there. You gotta be baptized in water. And then, of course, there's always the person who says, yeah, but what happens if I'm on an airplane and I'm flying and I decide I need to get baptized? What about then? You're saying I can't get saved until I get baptized? Listen, you're not on an airplane right now. Get baptized. Stop making the excuses and just do it. The truth is, of the things that we gotta do to get baptized, baptism is the easiest. It really is. I don't see why people don't have a hard time with the repent part, right? And honestly, that's really what it is. People who have issues with baptism, it's really repentance. It's really saying, I'm going to repent of my religiousness, my false teachings, my fears, my insecurities. I'm going to repent of those. That's the real issue. 
and I'm going to trust God. Repentance is a lot harder. It's kind of weird when we get hung up on baptism. That's the easiest part. The easiest part. So listen, this isn't even my point today, all right? My point is this, all right? I'm just kind of going off on a side to help us out a little bit. But my point is this. Forgiveness. You got to get it. You got to get it. You know, sometimes I think as Christians, we don't understand the depth of the forgiveness that has been given to us. I think we often think forgiveness is conditional. We forgive conditionally so often, and so we just assume God does that too. We say things like, well, I'll forgive you only if you're really sorry. If I forgive them, that's not going to help them. Or we say things like, oh, I forgive them, I just can't stand them. Or we say things like, but how can I forgive them when they keep hurting me? Or we say, if you knew what they did to me, you would know why I don't want to forgive them. Or we say, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. Thank God that he doesn't say that to us. Thank God that his forgiveness to us is nothing like that at all. That it's not even remotely like that. That his forgiveness is complete. It's complete and thorough. God completely and utterly forgives us. Listen to these scriptures. Ready? Listen to the word of God. Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that, de- that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a, or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That's amazing forgiveness. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 8. For he chose us in him. Remember, we talked about being in him last week. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace. And he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, again, this is in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. This teaches us that we have forgiveness in accordance with his riches. Like we've got the same amount of forgiveness as the riches that God has. Is God rich? 
Absolutely, that's the amount of forgiveness you have. And it uses the word lavished. It's been lavished and not stingy. God's not up there going, all right, I'll give you. You get five minutes of forgiveness, but don't blow it. That's not God. He lavished is the word. Lavished it on us. That's what the Bible teaches. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's not the Philadelphia eagles, all right? That's just the eagles. This is Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive. That's past tense. He already did it. He made you alive with Christ. He forgave. Again, past tense. Already done. He forgave us all our sins. How many of them? All of them. But what about this one? Yeah, that one too. What about this one? Yeah, that one too. But what about that? Yes, that one too. All of our sins. He forgave them, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Colossians 1, 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is the extent of the forgiveness you and I have right now. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you believe this? If not, why? It's your only hope. Again, remember, heaven is a sinless place. And you've already messed that up. Your only hope, my only hope, is that this is true. And that I get complete and utter forgiveness. I know this is hard to believe. If you're honest with yourself, when I'm honest with myself, absolute forgiveness is hard to believe. Years ago, my wife and I owned a house in North Carolina. And when we moved back to New York in 2012, we wanted to sell the house, but we couldn't because we were upside down in the house. You know what that means? Being upside down means that you owe more money on the house than the house is worth. We had three, three different loans on that house. Three small loans that together equaled more than the house was worth. So we couldn't sell it because we couldn't pay off the loans. And so we were upside down. So we tried to rent it for a little while. That worked for a little while, but then the renters left. And then we were in New York, and it's hard to deal with this stuff from a distance. And it's just a very, it was a very difficult situation. God eventually worked it out. We were able to short sell the house and sell the house at a loss. But we were so thankful that God worked it all out. But in the process, it was difficult. It was hard. It was really a challenging situation to be in. So one day I wrote a letter to all three banks. And I just begged. 
I said, listen, this is our situation. It's a difficult situation. Can you help us out? Two of the banks never responded. But one day, weeks later, after I'd forgotten them, after I'd given up hope, I get a letter in the mail from one of the banks. I opened the letter up and I began to read it and I could not believe it. The bank had decided to just forgive the entire loan. Just totally, just, just total forgiveness. Absolute forgiveness. And one of, one of the three loans was gone. It was gone. I didn't believe it. I was like, this is, this is a scam. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking, the, I'm reading the fine print. I'm flipping, it's one page. I'm reading both sides. I'm looking, wait, 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 hold on, hold on a second. I'm like, where, you know, where is it? It's going to ask for my credit card somewhere. Yeah, all you got to do is pay, you know, send us this info. You know, I'm like, where, where is the catch? I could not believe it. In fact, I couldn't believe it so much. I called the bank. I said, this is, this has got to be a mistake. I just got this. Is this, is this real? And the lady said, yeah. It's real. Gone. Your loan is completely forgiven. I was amazed. My point is this. is Forgiveness is hard to believe. I just read you God's word. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe it about you and your relationship with God? Do you really let yourself accept the radical forgiveness that you have been given through Jesus? Forgiveness. You got to get it. It's your only hope. You know, forgiveness is powerful. It will change you. Isaiah chapter 6. After Isaiah, when he was called to follow, he was given forgiveness and it changed him. After he got forgiveness, God said, all right, I got a job. I got a job. And Isaiah raised his hand. And he said, here am I, Lord. Send me. It changed him. It, that's what forgiveness does. When you really let yourself be utterly, completely, thoroughly forgiven by God, when needs come up, you'll, you'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. I can do that. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Forgiveness changes you. Titus 2. 11 through 12, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That scripture teaches us that the motivation for us living a good life is what? Grace. That's what it is. We get it backwards. We're like, I got to live a good life so that God will love me. No, no, God loves you. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. All right, let's go live a good life. Let's go do something with our lives. We need forgiveness. It's our only hope that that is completely true. Forgiveness, you got to get it. I said I had two points. Here's the second one. Forgiveness. You got to give it. Forgiveness. You got to get it. And then you got to give it. 
You got to give it. I only got have one scripture for you this for for this. Colossians chapter three. Actually, it's not true. Actually, I, I said that, but I got I got more. I can't only do just one scripture. Sorry. Colossians chapter three. Listen to this. Verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a lot in that. Therefore, as God's holy, God's chosen people. So it's teaching us what's the motivation? What's the order? The order is now that you are forgiven, right? Now that you are, now that you are God's holy people, chosen. Now that you have been called out of darkness into the light. Now that you have received grace, here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to clothe yourself. You know, it's Sunday morning. We all wake up Sunday morning and think one thing. We think, what am I going to wear? We put a lot of thought into it. Some of us more than others. I got it. I can see you all. But one thing you do need to clothe yourself in, the Bible says, is compassion. Clothe yourself. Not just a little bit. Not just a little compassion in your pocket. Not just a little in your purse. You pull out everyone. Clothe yourself, it says. Cover yourself. Cover yourself. Clothe yourself. Wear it compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Not just a little bit. Not just to certain people. Not just to your leaders. Clothe yourself with humility. Gentleness. Patience. And then it goes on and says, bear with each other. Yeah, sometimes we got to bear with each other. We're imperfect people. Sometimes we got to put up with each other. We got to bear with each other and forgive. Whatever grievances you may have. Yeah, but what about that one? Yeah, that one too. What about this one? Yep, that one too. Yeah, but what about this situation? Yep. Whatever grievances. Forgive. And here's the standard by which we should forgive. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We just read about how the Lord forgave us. That's the degree to which we need to forgive each other. I told you I was going to hit you in the heart, right? I told you, I warned you. This is tough stuff, man. But Phil, you don't understand. They really hurt me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But I didn't do anything wrong. Forgive as the Lord forgave forgave you. But they never even said they were sorry. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But they keep hurting me. Say it with me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But Phil, I'm not sure they even get it. Listen, obviously you don't get it. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is the requirement of the scriptures. I'm not saying this is easy. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. It's hard. I'm not saying it's okay for people to hurt you. It's not. 
I'm not saying you should put yourself in harm's way. You shouldn't. I'm not saying that you shouldn't let people know when they hurt you. You should let them know. But what I am saying, that forgiveness is your only shot at happiness, peace, and yes, heaven. We have to forgive as the Lord forgave us. Bitterness is an acid that we drink thinking it's going to hurt the other person. But the truth is, bitterness just eats us alive. It just eats us, and they may not even know. Bitterness is a sin. Grudges are a sin, and they are wrong, and they're not acceptable. We have to forgive each other. Listen, forgiveness is hard. One of the one of the the toughest person people that I ever had to forgive in my life was my dad. My dad and I had a rocky relationship for a lot of my teen years. And I have since learned to forgive my dad. My dad is amazing. I love my dad. I can't wait for you to meet my dad. I'm going to get him to come visit us. My dad has become one of my heroes, but it wasn't always that way. It was difficult. But I'll just tell you, one of the things that helped me with forgiveness was when I finally realized and began to understand things he had gone through in his life. In fact, I sat down with him and I said, Dad, tell me about your childhood. What was your relationship with, like with your father? And all of a sudden, as I began to hear his story, and I I feel very fortunate because my dad's alive. You know, some of our fathers have passed away. But my dad also is not only alive, but he's willing to talk. Some of us, maybe our fathers or this person that we have an issue with, won't talk. They don't want to have anything to do with us. So we don't. But so I feel very fortunate that my dad began to tell me about his childhood. And as I began to listen to the abuse that he endured from my grandfather, who was an alcoholic, who beat him physically, emotionally, and realized that as bad as I thought I had it with my father, my father did not pass along half that stuff that he endured. All of a sudden, my heart melted. It didn't take away the pains of my life, but it helped me at least understand a little bit. And it made forgiveness easier when I began to see things through somebody else's eyes. Why do you do that? Why are you? Maybe there's something you see that I don't see. And it can help us forgive. Forgiveness is necessary if we're going to be Christians. In fact, Jesus said it just like this. In Matthew 6, 15, If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That was the master himself. What bitterness do you need to own? Where do you need to confess your grudges or your attitudes? Who do you need to forgive? And you got to own it. You can't be like, bro, you know, you can't. If you've been holding on to a grudge, don't go and confront the person because you're the one now that's at fault. Even if they did what was wrong. You're the one now that's at fault because you've been sitting on it. You've allowed it to cause you to sin. That's what you have to own. And let them own their sin. Whether or not they even own their sin. 
Your lack of forgiveness. My lack of forgiveness is something we have to own. Who do you need to forgive? Your father, your mother, spouse, your child, your roommate, your friend, your sibling, your fellow disciple. Jesus was our example of forgiveness, was he not? Jesus was hated, betrayed, arrested, deserted, accused, hit, slapped, spit on, mocked, disowned, ridiculed, stripped, struck, flogged, insulted, and abandoned. All in a 24-hour period. But as he hung on a cross in the process of being murdered, he managed to utter to God, Father, forgive them. That's, that's the ultimate example. What was on the heart of Jesus as he died? It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. God went to great lengths for us to learn forgiveness. Let's embrace it. Let's grab it. Let's hold on to it. Let's get it and let's give it. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Let us hold on. Forgiveness. Let's get it and let's give it. Thank you. Amen.